everybody, welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and today I've got a really awesome episode for you all. I brought on a really cool person, Chris, from the Magic the Gathering podcast, The Girlfriend Bracket, and we talked about a lot of magic stuff and a lot of not-so-magic stuff, and just a lot of cool topics in between. Um, I implore everybody to stay and listen to the whole thing. It's a really good episode. I really enjoyed doing it. But before we begin, as usual, I've got some advertisements to do and, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to screw it up this time. I promise you. All right. This episode is featured on LegitMTG.com. LegitMTG. Fuck, I already fucked it up. God damn it. LegitMTG.com not only has some really well-written articles, but also offers free shipping on all, on on all orders over $2 or more ever get tired of going to other sites and just have to buy some cheap singles and shipping costs more than what you're buying. No more. Any order over $2 or more has free shipping at legitmtg.com. Ah, God, it's, it's frustrating. It's like, I'm looking at the copy and I'm reading it and it's like my brain just can't pronounce half of these fucking words. Oh, whatever. All right. This week's episode is brought to you by Horizon Datasys, makers of Rollback RX. Do you ever wish you could take your PC back in time and restore to a pristine state? Rollback RX not only allows you to bring your PC back to any point in time, but it's a great way to recover from a bad driver update, viruses, or even a botched installation. Horizon Datasys doesn't tend to discount their product often as they know it's going to save you hundreds of dollars in recovering your PC. But for listeners of Magic Wazubi, they provided us an exclusive discount. Visit, visit https colon slash slash goo.gl slash capital D I capital B V A capital F for 25% off rollback RX. The Magic Wazubi podcast can be found on the following iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, MTGcast.com. If you wish to email Zuby with anything, uh, you can send it my way at mtgzuby at gmail.com. Magic Wazubi is also on Facebook at facebook.com slash magicwazubi, as well as Twitter at magicwazubi. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Magic Wazubi YouTube channel. You can search for, I think it's youtube.com slash Zubatron, Z-U-B-A-T-R-O-N. And then also be sure to subscribe and rate and review Magic Wazubi on iTunes, Google Play, all that stuff. Um, that helps me out, and that'd be awesome for y'all to do it. And I, also, I have my Patreon as well, too. Uh, I think it's patreon.com slash Magic Wazubi. I've actually, I'm starting to prep i'm hoping to get this for next week's episode prep an episode about popper because that is what one of my patreons wanted me to discuss is popper and that is a format i've played like maybe twice maybe three times i mean i really don't know anything about it but i'm hoping to hoping to have a decent episode about popper hopefully next week if not then the week after and that is actually one of the benefits of becoming a patreon subscriber is you get to choose a topic to discuss and then i will talk about it you'll get to hear me rambling on about it so you know be sure to check that out as well so let's go on let's go on let's go ahead and get on with the interview here is chris
So can you hear me all right? Yep. Okay. All right. So I have here with me Chris from the Girlfriend Bracket. And I wanted to bring you on here to, I guess, talk to you about some magic and about yourself and, you know, really who you are in the magic community and all that. And if you just want to introduce yourself first, uh, go right ahead. Okay. Um, my name is Chris. As previously mentioned, I do participate in the Girlfriend Bracket podcast along with my co-hosts, Aaron Campbell, Hallie Santo, and Katie Neal. And we've been doing this for probably a little over a year and a half. And yeah, it's pretty fun. And I also have been trying to get into streaming. That's been a little trying just because trying to get my monitors to work correctly and OBS and all that stuff. And oh, yeah. it's pretty much it's pretty much what I do uh, magic wise aside from play. Yeah. Um, so have you been in any um, big name tournaments or anything? Or because I think I saw you go to GP Louisville the yes. other week. Mm -hmm. Yep, I went to that. I try to hit up as many Grand Prix as I possibly can if they're within driving distance or if I can fly and it's a format that I enjoy. I try to go. Um, and then I also participate in Star City events if they're within flying and di uh, driving distance. But I wouldn't fly to an SCG event, unfortunately. I have yet to day two, but that's definitely a goal of mine that I hope to accomplish. I hope in the next year when I am able to secure my second round by and I'm about 700 points away from that. Oh, wow. Um, yep. When you mean day two, do you mean in just GPs or SCG also? Uh, both. Um, <clears throat> with the Planeswalker points that you can accrue, you can get enough buys to hopefully make day two easier. You have to at least go, was it six and three? So you can make day two of a Grand Prix that so you can participate in the second half of uh, the GP. With Star City, mm, I think you still have to go seven and two in order to make it. And that's a little more difficult because you have to get uh, SCG points in order to do that. If I have any, I'm not aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's definitely something that I want to do. Um I've had a lot of friends make day two, so I'm really hoping to do the same. Even if I didn't top 64 or something like that, it's just a little bit of a goal of mine to say I can hang with the rest of the peeps that made day two. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's a good goal. I, I doubt I'd ever get that far because <laughs> it's, I don't know, it, it always seems to me like the day before I go to an IQ or PPTQ, I haven't gone to an open or Grand Prix yet. But it seems like, oh, the day before, like, I'll test out really good and my deck just seems to play. And then when I go to the PPTQ or IQ, it's like, I don't even know how to play Magic. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely been there. I made two uh, top eights in PPTQs last season. And oh, that cool. was, yeah, it was very surprising. I was like, really? We did this? How did we get here? So that was a little <laughs> uh, surprising and also pretty awesome at the same time. Uh, cause I kind of just stumbled and fell into them. It kind of felt like, yeah. but it's definitely a, definitely a good feeling. Like even if you get knocked out, you're like, Oh, I got a couple packs. I made a top eight. That's pretty awesome. So good oh, yeah, way to definitely. know you're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what formats do you enjoy the most in magic? I mostly play modern. I used to be solely a standard player, but then I wanted to give modern a try, be able to play with some cards that, I really enjoyed during Return to Ravnica block, and then I just kind of fell in love with the format. I like that the cards 
are more powerful. I like that you can do combo a little more easier in modern. Of course, now everyone's talking about standard and Sahili Rai combo with the new card from Aether Revolt. So I know that yeah. that's going to be a thing. I don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole, mostly because I hated Splinter Twins so much in modern. You barely got to maybe do anything before they're just like, oh, Splinter Twin, go off. And then it's like, okay, GG, just show me you can make copies and we're done. <laughs> so yeah, mo- much. mostly modern. Um, I have enjoyed um, Kaladesh in relation to uh, Sealed. So that's been uh, quite a bit of fun. I've been able to open up some really good pools eventually i'd like to get into legacy possibly but by where i live there really isn't a huge legacy scene and it seems like legacy online is maybe a little more alive if you can get events to fire so i kind of waffle in between whether or not that's something i would really want to do um yeah and i play commander for fun sometimes oh yeah definitely you always gotta have some that's how i view commanders just completely uh chill relax and laid back magic to me oh yeah and some people try to make it way more than it needs to be it's like no this is fun and then someone drops a smokestacks and you're like really really (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i definitely know what you mean i've got some people at my shop that take a commander a little bit too seriously (laughs) where it's just sort of like well if if that makes you feel good okay cool (laughs) right no, but that's um cool you mentioned legacy at least. Um my shop has recently just started, you know, trying to cultivate a legacy scene. And um they're allowing proxies for the first couple months until people can purchase the pieces they need, mainly the mana base. Um oh, sure. Yeah. And um we actually had our first big uh legacy event fire off this past Saturday. I mean it was completely free since it was all you know, mainly half the people actually more than half of the people were playing proxies, but I got to finally take my legacy elves for a spin and get my butt whooped by Cheerios and Storm. Oh man, yeah. yeah. Those two decks can be kind of annoying, that is that is for sure. But elf seems pretty uh, well positioned in legacy from my rudimentary knowledge of it but oh i'm still learning the meta too i'm i'm just i'm still trying to learn how to play my deck it's i feel like i've gotten a little bit more comfortable with it now where i i know the combo pretty well if i have an opening hand i'm like all right i can combo on turn two or turn three max you know i'll keep a good hand but it's it's wild out there like because i play modern as well and i feel like i know the meta pretty well with modern if i were to go to like you know a bigger tournament but with legacy i have no idea right same exactly like at least you know okay someone opened with this land it's probably this or it's this now i will admit during eldrazi winter i also had the same fears as some people when you see a hierarch and you're like oh what is this is it in effect oh it's just eldrazi okay i can hang with this no problem (laughs) Yeah, also, um, I don't know how it was in your area, but I remember Eldrazi Winter, also at the time, Abzan Company was pretty big, too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. At least in my area, so... No, oh, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, people still still try to force that, I think, but at least with my local meta, it seems to be a lot of control, some Tron. Infect is pretty much, I think, got hated out over by me. And every once in a while, someone decides to 
bring something wacky like eggs or oh god what was that other duck that was driving everyone crazy uh was it palance i can't remember what it is oh um I think I know what you're talking about. I'm just <laughs> like I'm bl- I'm blinking on it now. It's like you have all these artifacts, and I, I just can't even think of it. And I'm just like, really? <laughs> How is this fun? Yeah. Or even taking turns, and it's like, no, I can't even deal with you right now. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Um, no, the one thing that I notice with Legacy is at least one thing that I really like compared to Modern. I mean, there can still be dirtily games in Legacy, but they seem to be a lot less, at least in my limited experience. It's, I mean, like I said, when I when I go up against Storm with Elves, it's sort of like, oh, great, turn one win. It's, that's happened to me. And then turn two is usually, oh, great, are they going to just storm off and kill me? I'm like, are you... And then I ask him, are you going to kill me? Yep. I'm like, okay, let's go to next game. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, just show me you have it. Okay. Sounds good. We'll go to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. I'll usually have the person show it to me the first time. Like if I'm not too familiar with what they're doing, but you know, after that, I'm just sort of like, all right, you got it. You win. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So how did you, how did you all start up the girlfriend bracket? Okay. So Erin used to have a podcast called uh, The Deck Tees, and her and I met through the podcast. I was a fan of the show, a fan of her. She seemed really awesome. We met up, we became good friends, and then she had always wanted to do a roundtable discussion uh, podcast with a bunch of other women. So myself and Hallie Santo, we were both friends with her, and she both wanted us for the show. And then Katie, I believe, got in touch with Aaron via Twitter. And uh, Katie is a level two judge. And so we kind of just formed the podcast together. And the Girlfriend Bracket name came from uh, people would talk about at various tournaments and things once you get to like the lower brackets where you're maybe like zero and four or something you're mostly yeah. playing against girlfriends and kids and so we decided to take back the name and be like we want the girlfriend bracket to be a really awesome place to be come hang out with us this is going to be a lot of fun and also give our opinions on magic uh talk about what it's like playing from a female perspective and talk about different topics in diversity, whether it was concerning women or people of color or whatever it may be. So we could kind of address some issues that maybe the rest of the community doesn't always talk about. Yeah. So that's been going on for about what, a year and a half you said now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We started like it's been longer though. Yeah. Cause we started it. Let's see. Was it? Oh my God time sorry i'm like so lost no it's all right let's see 2000 oh my god is it a year and a half we started it was it march 2015 oh so it's almost two years now wow yeah time flies when you're having fun sorry it's just so bizarre to me because we just finished recording episode 87 yeah that sounds correct and like it just feels like it's been such a short time when I guess it really hasn't because the show had been out for a few months right before Vegas. And I remember even going there and having people come up and talk to me and I was like, who are you? And they're just like, oh, I listened to the show. I'm a fan. I'm like, oh, that's right. 
I do that thing and you like it and that's <laughs> pretty cool. So now I'm a little more used to people coming up and telling me that they like what we do or that they specifically like me or something I talked about. And that's always really refreshing and awesome to know that you made a difference to someone or they really liked something you said or something that you said resonated with them and made them maybe think about things differently than they normally do. So that's yeah. been really, really awesome. Well, no, I definitely know that feeling when, cause there's a lot of times, which maybe you guys went through this the first few times when you did it is sort of feels like sometimes you're just recording and no one's hearing it except maybe yourself. And it's just, it's cool when you sort of get that feedback from someone saying, Hey, I loved your show or whatever. And it's like, Whoa, people listen to this. What? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I remember probably for the first 20 episodes, maybe I would listen back to the show and be like, okay, did I say anything stupid? Did I say anything weird? Oh God, are people going to judge me for like what I said? Is this kind of strange? And then I stopped doing that because I was like, no, we're doing, I'm doing something right. I think that I bring my own little piece of myself to the show with the different yeah. perspective. And I just was like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> so if people dig it, that's great. And if they don't, I hope they find something that they do like. Well, I definitely enjoy it um, when I do get to listen. I just listened to your guys' last episode, the separation anxiety one. Oh, mm hmm And um, that was interesting. The um, I, I did have to give a little chuckle when you mentioned what the, the Arnold Palmer, the peach <laughs> Arnold Palmer thing. <laughs> yeah, everyone's actually... like asking me about it. Now they're like, what does the pan <laughs> look like? I'll look out for it for you. Is it the Arizona tea? Arnold Palmer or yes and it's okay. so good I, I know I mean I know we have I know we have these here and I don't know if I've ever seen the peach Arnold Palmer I know I've seen the regular one I have to be on the lookout for it next time yeah it's it's for sure awesome like when we were in Oakland for the Grand Prix we just happened to stop at like a Target and I saw it I'm like peach and tea and lemonade <laughs> all of these are my favorite things we can mix them together and i'm sure it will be tasty and i was not disappointed so yeah i'm hoping that maybe i can get my hands on some more i have one left in the fridge and i'm afraid to drink it because i'm like no then it'll all be gone and i don't know when i can get some more oh yeah i know what you mean um i have a guilty pleasure with arizona diet green tea it's I, for whatever reason, I could just drink that all day, every day. <laughs> I've never tried that. I'll have to. It's, I mean, well, it's a diet drink. It's not as heavy as the regular green tea, and it doesn't have that, uh, what is it called? That fructose, that fructose corn syrup or whatever crap oh, in it. yeah. Even though I'm sure it has other chemicals that'll give you cancer. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like everything gives you cancer nowadays. I mean, not trying to make light of it, but it's just... Uh, it's like nothing's ever good for you, except if it's pure organic from, you know, Aunt Mabel's farm or something <laughs> like that. Right, exactly. But, um, no, it's, no, I just really wanted to bring you on because, like I said, I've been listening to the show for a while and I've always really enjoyed, um, you know, following you on Twitter and just sort of the stuff you say. And I also like your blog that you have. Oh, crap. What's the name of it? As I know, I've read it before uh, and I've talked to you about it. Oh. <laughs> it's uh, Backtables MTG. That's right. 
yeah. BacktablesMTG, what's the whole thing? Uh, BacktablesMTG.wordpress.com, and it's uh, Thoughts from the Backtables is the actual name of the blog. See, I even forgot what the name of my blog is. I'm terrible at plugging <laughs> My bad. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's all right. Um, no, because I enjoyed that as well. And um, Oh, uh, before I forget, I'm sure this gets mentioned a lot, but has anyone ever told Aaron that she sounds like Terry Gross from NPR? No, I don't think so. Most of the time, people will say to her that uh, she's like the Barbara Walters of the magic community <laughs> because her old show, she would do an interview style podcast and they're just like, you can you can make the pros talk about just about anything. And, you know, she has a way of making you feel very comfortable. And so, yeah, but I, I will definitely have to tell her that and like have her listen to a soundbite or something and be like, oh, my God, is it me? It's me. Well, I mean, it's it's just very that same style because um, I used to listen to a lot of NPR and that, that was like one of the first things that clicked in my mind when I heard your podcast the first time was it's like, is this like the NPR of magic <laughs> podcasting? I mean, not that that's bad. It's just sort of like this is just, you know, little like, whoa, this is really good quality. Oh, yeah. She's very, very, very good at what she does. And she definitely showed us the podcasting ropes because we had no clue what we were initially doing. And, you know, having Aaron lead the discussion is definitely good and kicking us questions. And I am very, very thankful for the role that she plays with us, for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. She's um, she's made, I guess, the right word, a lot of strides in the magic community. I guess that's the right word I'm thinking of. Oh, or yeah. big waves or, or I, don't, I don't know what you would say. Um, <laughs> no, but she's definitely out there in the community and um, that's good. Um, yeah, so another thing that I wanted to talk to you about and I've mentioned because I've had Emma Handy and Jadine Klumperens on the show previously. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing that I wanted to talk about was just, I guess, representation in magic, uh, especially at the pro pro levels and i've talked to them about it like what can because as you know and as we we're all aware of you know it's as far as professional this professional scene goes it's very dominated by males and you know wizards especially star city games has done you know a lot better job of showcasing females playing but there's still not enough numbers to show that you know because it's not like they can just force females to play all the time if there's no one there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, it's, you know, because I have two daughters myself and they, I mean, right right now we're not really playing Magic. We're playing more of the Pokemon card game than anything right now. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, you know, as a father of two girls, it's always important for me to see, you know, females being represented. And, you know, with the last time I went to a PPTQ, um, I, there was... I mean, there wasn't a lot of females, but there was more than I was used to seeing, which I thought was a good thing. So what can what are some stuff that can be done to, I don't know, get more females playing competitively that you think? Hmm. I mean, I know it's really a loaded question, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's no simple answer for it. That that is true. Um, I think that everything really comes back to, at least for me and from my perspective, to your local level. You have to feel comfortable playing 
at, I think, a local game store, have a good group of, of people supporting you before you feel like you can move on to other things. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have different life experiences. And I think for a lot of women in particular, they may go to a local game store for the first time, maybe a place, you know, that they've heard about or maybe they don't know anything about and they're trying to make friends or feel accepted for playing the same game that a lot of other men play and they just want to feel like they're on the same level. And just like a lot of other things in life, there are things that women can say or do that if a man were to do them, they're acceptable. But if like a woman were to do it, they're not, you know, I definitely have seen for myself different ways that men and women treat each other while playing magic. And I feel like sometimes it comes from a strange place. And I think that if, if women do not feel comfortable even going to a local game store, they're not going to want to progress to going to a Star City event, progress to going to a Grand Prix. If they don't feel like the people that they're surrounded by are going to be supportive, maybe for a testing team, you know, they're, they're not going to go very far because at the end of the day, we all need to be supportive of one another. And unfortunately, there seems to be, at least in some places, a very big gap between genders, especially within magic. At my particular store, that's not a problem. But I have definitely heard of other people, especially women, talking about how they've been treated at different game stores in a way that they didn't like. They've even asked their girlfriend bracket for advice to be like, well, I'm in a place I don't feel comfortable. Or even, you know, for some trans women, maybe they don't feel comfortable going to a game store because maybe they're going back there after transitioning and they don't feel like they can fit in any longer or that people are going to treat them differently. And I think it starts at that base level. After that point, I think it's just a matter of just like with anything else and for anyone else is just being committed to what you want to do, putting in the time to test, to try a variety of decks, to seek advice, to um, have a supportive network of people that are going to try to help you get to the next level. And I think that that's pretty much the majority of it. I am pleased you know, that you did mention about Star City really showcasing a lot of women because when I've gone to local Star City events, definitely there are a lot of women that have gotten feature matches. And I think that's really awesome. I know that some people have said that they don't feel that women should be in feature matches or on coverage and other things if they haven't earned it or if they're not delivering the same as some pros do or that they shouldn't just be showcased because they're women. And while I agree that someone should not just be showcased because of their gender, I think it's also important to show that there are these people that do play games. They're not just cis males that are playing this game. There are non-binary people, there's women, there's trans folk. And I think that it's really important to 
show those people because it gives encouragement to other people that identify that way to be like, I can see these people doing great things here. I can do that too. And it's somewhat of a mixed bag with the magic community in relation to how they feel about those things. But at the end of the day, diversity is super, super important. And maybe it's not important to them because they've lived a different life. They have a different perspective. But to people that identify certain ways or have grown up with different life experiences, for them, diversity could be everything. Yeah, and that's true. And I think a lot of people, especially like what you just said, um, how diversity could mean a lot more to certain people where you know, for some people that may not affect them that much, but for others it it will. So it's it you just sort of reminded me of I don't know when it was some Star City event. You know, just watching it on Twitch, and you know, my little daughter, I guess she was six or seven at the time, just came up and had to have been one of the females playing. I, I don't remember who, but she was just like, Oh, who's that pretty girl playing and all that. And then all of a sudden she just started watching it with me. She didn't know what was going on, but since she saw a female, you know, playing as well, she was more interested in watching it. Exactly. And then it, it just kind of gives the message like, Hey, you can do this too. There's nothing that says that you can't, there are people that are like you that are doing a similar thing. And it kind of, makes you just want to do it more. And I think that that's a really awesome thing that the, that various people in the magic community are helping accomplish. Yeah. And I like how you brought up that it should start at the local level that, um, you know, trying to get females to play more competitively. I feel, um, at least just in my area, the two stores that I go to the most, um, there's, I guess a good healthy mix of genders, but the only problem I see is we don't see, at least in my area, we don't see a lot of females playing like the FNMs or the moderns. They'll, they're, they're more geared towards the EDH or the, you know, complete casual drafting. And, and I, I don't know why or what the issue is or, you know, what could be the problem. I mean, it's usually the same people playing the more competitive events and the more casual events, but. I don't know, I've always found that a little strange. I don't know, have you noticed that in your, where you're at or? Um, I'm trying to think. For the most part at FNM, there's usually a handful of other women that are playing with me. I want to say this last FNM, there was probably um, maybe five other women, maybe six. It, it just kind of depends on the night and also what formats might appeal to different people. Yeah. Um, I know that there's quite a few women that play modern, um, some play standard, but a lot of them have been gravitating towards modern more, which is awesome because I'm like, yes, come to the dark side. We have cookies type of thing. I'm like, oh, yeah. hey, this format, it's so much fun. <laughs> and even over this past weekend with the pre-release, it felt like there were a lot more women coming out for the pre-release women I didn't know. And so I was like, Oh, well, this is cool. Like, I wonder, you know, are they mostly kitchen table players? Are they maybe from another shop and they just happen to come down here? It's always hard to know. But I also wonder if just in general, there are some people that do not feel that they want to play on a competitive level. They just want to have fun. They just want to keep it super casual. Yeah. And I think that that can go for, um, both genders, 
But I think sometimes, maybe for some women, they don't want to get into, they don't want to enter a competitive event because they don't want to maybe deal with gaining getting pitted against other women, or maybe they don't want to have to deal with having to play competitively with a man because sometimes there is a little bit of a, not necessarily a power struggle, but it just feels very different. Like I had a weird experience when I was at GP Louisville and I was playing in a modern side event and this woman next to me, because it, it was modern and I believe that she was on Nia Byrne. Her opponent was on Breach Titan. And the first thing he says to her when she sits down is, let me guess. I bet you got dragged all the way here. And I'm like, what just happened here? And she's like, uh, oh. no. <laughs> she's like, I, you know, I came, I came here to play. And he was like, wow, I'm both, what do you say, intrigued and like oh surprised or something like that it was just like what yeah yeah it was just very very bizarre and i wonder if struggling with trying to maybe deal with those interactions or worrying about dealing with interactions like that might put some women on guard to be like well i don't know if i really want to deal with this i just want to have a good time i just want to play magic i don't want to be judged i don't want for people to think I'm about something that I'm not about. And I just kind of want to do my thing. Um, so afterwards, I told her, I was like, you know, women do play magic. I know you know that. And I'm like, but here, here's a sticker for the show. Check this out. You know, see if this is your thing. Because you want to make people feel like they're not alone. That they're not yeah. some kind of, like I told my opponent as this was going on. And I'm, I know her opponent heard me. I was like, Women that play magic are not mythical like the unicorn. They are not mythical creatures. They do play magic too. <laughs> I know it's a surprise to some, but that's just kind of what's going on. And I think the more that you treat anyone playing magic as being normal, then it just becomes that way. Instead of treating different people differently, be like, oh, I wouldn't think that you would play magic. It's like, why? <laughs> and what astonishes me when, you know, you telling that story of the first thing I thought about that guy is just, does he not have basic social skills? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who, who just says that to people? I know. I think my jaw like hit the table. I was just like, what just happened here? <laughs> like, this is so I, bizarre. Yeah. I would have asked him like, is this real life? Is this happening right now? <laughs> yeah. It was just oh, weird. Cause like, I've never had, even when I, even when I did identify as female, I didn't have those kind of interactions and I still don't. And it just is so surprising to me when I overhear or see something like that happening or even hearing stories from people that write into the show or just that I meet. And I'm like, really? You had this experience? It's very bizarre to me. And I, I can only hope that as time goes on, that interactions like that will go down and people will just be like, okay, this is a person playing magic. I hope we have a good time. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I know my experiences don't really compare to women or anything, but it's, you know, I've had experiences not like that, but you definitely get those playing I don't even know, I guess socially inept people. And because usually I try to be open and friendly. Um, you know, if it's F and M level, 
you know, try to be open and friendly, like, hey, how's it going? You know, how's your week been? Blah, blah, blah. And you just get sort of those people who are just either way too tryhards or just people who just don't know how to interact with you. Mm-hmm. And and it's always, it's almost kind of, I almost kind of dread those interactions in a sense because I almost feel like they're a little bit more pronounced in the higher competitive levels sometimes. And yeah, it it can be a bit painful, but yeah, I can't imagine doing that. And I've never really personally seen that because um, I don't know if it's weird or bad of me or strange, but I almost get excited playing a female because especially if it's a female that hasn't been to our shop before, it's sort of like, all right, let's, you know, I'll be as nice as I can to her, you know, don't want her to be a creep or, you know, I don't want to be a creep and, you know, just generally show her that, hey, you know, this shop can be fun here you know, come here again and I'll do that. I especially get excited if it's a new player too. And I'll just tell him like, Oh, well, you know, you messed up. You, you got into one of the most addictive card games. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. <laughs> oh yeah. Basically, basically. Yeah. That was one of the things that I felt was important to touch on. Even with my blog was writing about how to treat your opponents and how you should act towards them. Because I feel like, that's a really important thing about just trying to feel people out, see what they're about. Are they receptive to things or are they going to be like one of the first guys I faced at a PTQ back when they still had those and have him just shuffle his cards and ignore me and be like, all right, you're going to do your thing. This is kind of weird, but I'm just going to kind of deal with it because you just never know what anyone's going to be like. And especially, yeah, your local store level, you definitely want those people to come back and be part of your community. So you definitely want to uh, be on point. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. And to me, the way I try to treat it, especially when going to, you know, PPTQ or IQ or anything above is I try to treat almost each match like a job interview, in a sense, (laughs) where, you know, you try to you know, put on your best decorum and all that. And I mean, I know it gets harder as the day goes on when you're, you know, oh, and four and you're just like, oh, God, well, I just suck. Why I should just drop. I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. You know, I, I know it gets harder as the day goes on, but at least I don't know, have some general social skills out there. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> oh sure but the 04 bracket is like so fun sometimes because at that oh, point be. <laughs> everyone's just like oh i don't care anymore like whether or not it was a, a sealed tournament or if it was constructed at that point everyone's just like i'm here for the lulls i just want to play my deck and you get to meet some very interesting people down there that's why i've i've never been dismissive of like the back tables i'm like all right these are my people and it's amazing how much I've learned from them. And that's why like, I kind of feel bad cause I haven't really been there lately, but oh, yeah. yeah, there's, there's definitely much to be learned at the lower tables. I, I, I went to a um, legacy IQ earlier last year and it was before I had my legacy elves built. So I took mono green stompy and the only deck I managed to beat was dredge and, um, <laughs> And the only way I managed to do that was, of course, game one, he wrecked me. Then games two and three, I played like turn one Graph Digger's Cage and he just sort of, you know, got sad. But this was at like the 0 and 5 tables or whatever. And and like you said, we were just having a crap ton of fun, you know, just bullshitting around and all that. Oh, yeah, totally. No, but um, 
No, I'm glad, you know, we talked about that because it's like you said to me as a father of two daughters, it's important for me to see diversity, especially in, um, you know, things that I'm interested in. And, you know, if I, like I said, I, I've been trying to get him into magic. We were into magic for a little bit. Then I started playing the Pokemon card game and now they're super into that. Heck, they half the time they don't even want to play the game. They'd rather play like go fish Pokemon style. <laughs> it's just, okay, whatever, whatever floats your boats, kids. <laughs> That's awesome. I haven't touched the Pokemon TCG in like forever, but I had thought about coming back to it. Is it still, is it still pretty cool? Um, I mean, I played it when I was a kid when it first came out and I don't, I don't remember the rules or anything. So when I came back to it a couple months ago, I had to relearn it all. And, um, it's, I mean, I love the online client. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, if you, if anybody's heard my previous episode knows that I rant hard against magic online <laughs> and that I'm pretty much done with the program and, and, um, I mean, it makes, it puts magic online to shame when it and because one of i mean it is harder to build decks and mm -hmm. pokemon online because you can't go and buy singles and so you have to be able to trade the cards that you need so i mean that's a pain in the butt to do because if you don't have cards that people need then you're sort of like stuck in this you know loop and people there's no botting or anything like that in pokemon online I definitely so. appreciate that they have the codes, though. So you buy the pack, yes. you get the code, and you're like, oh, cool. Hint, hint, wizards. Oh, I know. It's um, <laughs> The downside to that, though, even though you get the booster packs online, there's no drafting in Pokemon. <sighs> Sad. I know. Because I, I started, because I got a bunch of the codes, and, you know, I bought my kids, you know, a bunch of Pokemon booster packs for Christmas, but I took all the codes. <laughs> and um and i started like scouring online to see if there's a way to play you know limited or anything and while there are rules for limited no one plays it <laughs> it's like what that's that's ridiculous though i can see why it, i don't think limited pokemon would be very good just because of the power level that would be different or i don't know if it'd be power level it's it seems like at least from what I understand with the deck building, uh, the you don't have you don't actually have a lot of Pokemon in your deck. You have like maybe ten to fifteen Pokemon in a deck, and the majority of the other cards are like your energy and draw spells. Oh yeah, and, you definitely want more Pokemon for sure, especially in a limited environment. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's, I mean, there's plenty of Pokemon in a booster pack, but it's there's not much draw power you would get out of it though so they i can see the limited games going on for a very long time <laughs> oh yeah that doesn't sound fun <laughs> yeah but um no i mean that'd be awesome magic online did something like that i'd happily pay event tickets if i didn't have to also pay for boosters and all that too true true you know but uh that's neither here nor there and i'm sure my listeners are sick of me complaining about it by now <laughs> Yeah, I've gone on log rants about it. It's it's probably why I'm not in like Watsy's good graces because I just <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I had the, complained about MTGO all the time. <laughs> it's not really all the time, but I had this whole episode, and it really sparked. Um, I think I think her name's Allie, one of the programmers for Magic Online. She's 
wrote this blog article and it sparked this whole episode for me. And it wasn't really directed at her. It was more it really showcased how, at least to me, because being in IT for so long, you sort of start to read in between the lines uh, of stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it just really showcased to me that Watsi's um, management may not be the greatest when it comes to their digital products. I can see that. Yeah. But, um, so you like playing modern. You said you're diving into legacy. Or you're trying to, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Frontier? Have you have you tried any of that? Okay. So, <laughs> I actually had a conversation earlier with my friend, Aaron, who does the Turn One Thoughts Use podcast. And he was like, so, did you drink that Frontier Kool-Aid? And I was like, yeah, I made a deck. And he was just like... <laughs> it's a scrub format type of thing. I'm like, whatever, hater. Like, I have a really awesome deck that I built. Back at, what was it? Two standards? No. Yeah, two standards ago, I had an Artificer deck that I really enjoyed. And so I decided to remake that deck with a couple of cards from Kaladesh. And if I can get everything put together this week... I'm hoping to actually play Frontier on Saturday at my shop. They're trying to get Frontier going at like 5 o'clock on Saturday. I think there's one other store in town that's trying to do Frontier as well. I think that Frontier could do well for people that maybe they're not quite ready to get into modern and they kind of want to play with their old cards or see what it would be like to play a format where maybe certain cards don't exist that are more powerful but they can still get that little happy feeling that they got from standard while playing with some cards that they used to love that are no longer standard legal so i am hoping to do well with this deck basically it focuses around four pn kieran nalar four thopter engineers four hangerback walkers a singleton whirler rogue and the new hope of gear that was pretty awesome at the pre-release so i'm hoping just to have a bunch of thopters and do damage i have ghost fireblade in there which was really awesome from uh, cons and impact tremors which was also a pretty awesome card that whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control it'll deal one damage to your opponent and if you're making a bunch of thopters and other stuff and sacrificing artifacts and you're getting triggers and it's just it's just awesome so i'm really interested to see how the deck works am i thrilled about the potential for siege rhino shenanigans and rally not really but i i would like to at least give the format a try and see what i think about it i know a lot of people we're skeptical initially when Frontier became a little more than just a buzzword. People were actually being like, oh, is Frontier a thing? You know, we should try to offer this at our store. I want to build Frontier decks. And I actually have to give a lot of credit to Hallelujah for putting together, you know, a format like this to give people another option to play. I remember, I think I read it about it on their website and I was like, oh, this frontier thing, this might be a thing. And then more people in the US started talking about it. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll see where it goes from here. Um, so I'm just interested to see what the potential will be like. Uh, what I was initially saying was that people bring up tiny leaders and things like that and say, oh, well, that failed. I mean, they're two different things. There are some people that still play tiny leaders, though. I met some guy 
at GP Louisville who's like, oh yeah, I play tiny leaders like every weekend with my friends. So I think it just depends on your local store if they're offering something like that. If you wanted to play Frontier with friends, I think it just depends on the people that it's eventually going to appeal to, whether or not Frontier can be enjoyable or make it as a format. Yeah, no, I and I agree with that. Um, there's no Frontier going on around me locally, but I'm definitely interested in it because I guess it seems like the natural evolution of Magic. I mean, eventually Modern is going to get as expensive as Legacy, one day, I mean, unless Wizards, you know, starts reprinting a lot of, you know, good, decent cards, you know, in their master sets. But it's, I, I guess the one thing I don't understand is all the hate for it. Maybe because people are afraid to see Modern go, if that's the case. You know, if Wizards starts treating Modern like it does Legacy and they start supporting Frontier, I guess I can understand that. But, I mean, to me, the whole thing is if you enjoy the format, then just play it you know right exactly and that's the thing that i guess i really don't understand is that now that people are talking about frontier more there's all this hate it's like where's it coming from have you actually played frontier or are you just poo-pooing something that you don't know anything about you know this can give a certain group of people something to be excited about i don't think there's anything wrong with that if you want to play modern play modern you want to play legacy great you want to play frontier and have that be your ride or die i fully support you find something in magic that you enjoy. There's plenty of people that, let's say, maybe they play Legacy and they scoff at people that play Commander because they just don't understand or like that format for whatever reason. And that's why different people like different things. And I think if you're gonna, if you're gonna scoff at it, you should try it first. And you can be like, I didn't like this. And now I can say why I didn't like it. And I'm just not going to do it. Instead of being like, I'm going to talk about this thing I know completely nothing about. And I'm just gonna you know, ruin everyone else's time. It's like, well, you can go do that over there. I'm going to be over here having fun. You have a good time. So, yeah, I think I think that the hate is just kind of a little, a little strange, especially for something that is maybe just starting to crop up in certain areas or doesn't exist anywhere at all. It's like, why are you wasting your time hating something that you don't even participate in? It seems kind of odd to me. And I can understand some of the criticism that has been said that it's just, you know, stores trying to sell their unused con singles and, um, you know, M15 singles as well. They're the rare bulk or whatever, which I can understand from that point. But on the other hand, you know, if oh, how do you say that name? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As far as far as we know, that is the official way to say it. Because there's an R there, and I always say, like, Haruya or something, or it, it throws me off. Um, <laughs> yeah. And because um, it's what, Haluya and Face to Face were the two big stores that were, like, pushing it, from what I remember. And I can, un- like I was saying before, I can understand the criticism that, you know, it's just those stores trying to sell their unused bulk that's never going to sell and move. Which, you know, if you look at it from that sense if it was if that's the reason why then it's is that really such a bad thing i mean a business is trying to move product that most likely will never move unless there's a reason to move it yeah and i don't i don't i don't think it's a horrible thing and not even not even just that people have i'm sure plenty of cards left over from uh 
the previous standard to be like, okay, well, I still have these cons cards or, I mean, heck, I just looked at my like little storage closet like a second ago and I have cards in there from like M13. I mean, you keep maybe like a play set of like every card or something that's common or uncommon. You never know when you might need it and you can unload the bulk after that point. So, oh yeah. So some people already have all these cards or maybe they're going to buy into rares that they didn't purchase initially for whatever reason because they want to play them in Frontier. Maybe it would give some cards some time to shine that maybe never really had a chance during Standard. And so I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, people buy random singles all the time from like older sets. And so, I mean, I think... I don't think it's like some evil like cash grab by stores, but I think <laughs> I think it's nice if you know they're just like here we have this extra product. Frontier is a thing. Please come and take all our copies of insert card here. And I, I don't think that's yeah. a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but I can also see people's hesitation because tiny leaders is a good example. You know, a, I guess people were trying to push that really hard and. Maybe some cards did spike from it. I don't know. I didn't pay that close attention to the finance side of it. And people are maybe they're afraid that Frontier is going to do the same thing. But I do have to say, I mean, I remember Frontier, them talking about Frontier, what, back in September, October? Mm -hmm. And it feels like it's still gaining a lot of momentum. It feels like Tiny Leaders died off a few months after, you know, it was initially, you know, announced. Yeah, I, n I never played Tiny Leaders. I think I had the thought in my brain for like a second and then it was gone. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's like anything else. It depends on what your store is offering. If, if it's going to be a thing in your area, if it's not, then you're probably going to be less likely to do it. I mean, I still have a bunch of the cards. I'll give it a try, see if it's, you know, yeah. in my wheelhouse. And if it's not, bless whoever wants to do it because, you know... We, every, we, everyone plays magic for different reasons and they have different things they like to get out of it. And if someone wants to, you know, have a thrilling time with Siege Rhino like No Tomorrow, then that is certainly their business. Definitely. And I think one of the things that's really boosting Frontier that Tiny Leaders never ever got was it's getting recognition from the bigger websites like Channel Fireball and Star City Games. And that Ch uh, Channel Fireball even announced they're going to have side events for Frontier and a GP coming up. Yes, I believe at... Was it next... Not in, is it next weekend? Oh my god, I can't remember. At GP San Jose, I believe, yes, that they're going to have some Frontier side events. And that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's good that it's getting that push. Um, and I know people have, have been complaining, like, when should Frontier start? It should start in Theros or, you know, don't have cons in it. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. I don't have that much um, knowledge or experience in Frontier to even discuss that, really. Yeah, I, I, I'm sad that they didn't start it at like Return to Ravnica just because Sphinx's revelation was like my ride or die. So that would be <laughs> nice to, you know, cast for like a billion if possible. But I can definitely see why they may have had reservations about certain sets and things being too overpowered or everyone's just going to play control because we have these cards or everyone's just going to do this because there's these cards. And so I'm not quite sure what... Uh, came down to making that decision. But it was surprising to realize 
what cards were like in M15 that I had forgotten about. When I was putting together even my deck, I was like, oh yeah, Shrapnel Blast isn't here. All right, that's going in the deck. And so I think, you know, being, being able to revisit that and realize uh, all the different cards that are possibly at your fingertips is, is, is a good thing. I am mentioning M15 and even cons. I forgot how many good and at least more powerful answers than there are right now in standard. Um, you know, the lightning strike, uh, stoke the flames. Um, you know, mono red was actually a thing back in M15 mm-hmm. and it's, um, it, like you said, it's sort of the, the, the format where you can sort of relive the glory days of a past standard deck, you know, with some up upgraded tool pieces. And, um, I guess that sort of brings me back to, or going forward to standard. Um, I know you mentioned on, on your guys' last episode about the bands, and um, I guess I just wanted to re- reiterate uh, what your feelings are about them, mainly the standard bands. I thought that banning Emmercool, at least from my knowledge of standard lately, and I'll admit I haven't played a lot of it because I was like, eh, this isn't my jam right now. But I don't think that Emmercool needed to get banned. I've heard different arguments about, no, it was too crazy for green-black decks. Oh, no, the Aetherworks Marvel decks were too much. But people are still going to use Ulamog and other things with Aetherworks Marvel. So, I mean, you got rid of Emmercool. Oh, well, I pe- people will still survive. In relation to Smuggler's Copter, though, <laughs> I can see why they banned it. But at the same time, I can't believe that they didn't think that it was going to be like the card. I mean, it's just so awesome. It's like, who wouldn't just put this into any deck? It's not color restrictive. You know, it's a 3-3 three, three for 2 that flies and has a loot effect, uh, good karm just seems good. So <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel bad if we're going to start banning good cards because they're good. And Reflector Mage felt just a little too late for me. If you knew that it was a problem with Coco decks, why didn't you do something about it then? Now, in hindsight, I can see why they did it to a degree, just because there could be too many things that are going to be more powerful in relation to Reflector Mage with new Aether Revolt cards, especially with permanents leaving the battlefield and other things. And it, maybe it would make Blue-White Flash just a little too more too powerful. So I can see it, but I guess I just wish that it would have gone back then because it was still a problem then, as opposed oh, yeah. to, you know, just now everyone's like, oh my god, what's going to happen? And it's like, yeah, but it was a problem then. You should have done something about it then. So the standard bans were just kind of a little weird to me. And just to have things banned in standard, it was just kind of bizarre. It kind of makes you wonder when they're designing things, if they're always thinking about... I guess every situation and how different cards could possibly be abused or be oppressive. And I guess from what I know about people designing cards or even, you know, playtesting them to the degree that they do, 
they're not in the same setting that we are. They're not maybe necessarily brewing decks to be like, oh, how can I, you know, break this card like unbelievably? Like, what are the best interactions with this card to get the most beatdowns, the most value, whatever? And so they're probably looking at the game a lot differently than we are. They're they're designing it. And so yeah. I can see how some things might get overlooked, but it's just like, how did you not know? Oh yeah, definitely. And I think Sam Stoddard said it best in his article that came out, I think a few days after the the announcement of the ban, that the pendulum between threats and answers has swung too far to the left to, with threats. And I've been complaining about that for the past, I guess, couple months now, that standard right now just feels like it's all about your creatures. It's not about your actual non-creature spells or mm-hmm. your your answers. It's just sort of like whoever can play the best creatures wins. And and that's what it sort of feels like. It's I, I almost wanted to go back, and that's why I sort of like modern and legacy a little bit more, because... It, your creatures are really good in those formats, but your spells are what make it even better. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, how awesome is it to cast, you know, you're playing burn and you're casting like five different types of lightning bolts to just kill your enemy. That feels cool. You're playing magic. You're casting magic spells at that point. You know, I mean, there's really no equivalent to burn right now in standard. I mean, no. I mean, we have shock now. i mean and and them with them printing fatal push i'm still really surprised that they still banned smugglers copter because fatal push could easily have taken that card out Mm -hmm. and it's i i in a way i i can understand emrakul because it's never fun getting mind slavered especially when they cast it for free or for like five or six mana and it's that one I can understand. The Smuggler's Copter and Reflector Mage I have a little bit more problems with because, like I said, they just printed Fatal Push. Why not wait and see how the meta shapes with some of these new cards before possibly banning Smuggler's Copter? And reflect, like like you said, Reflector Mage should have been banned a year ago. It was... Mm-hmm. God, especially when everybody was playing Bant Company. I'm guilty of that, too, because I was playing it, too. <laughs> I mean, there's no other deck to play. <laughs> Can't beat him, join him. Exactly. That that's how in s- saying that that's how I felt about Abzan for the longest time during cons, I think before Fate Reforge came out. For the longest time I avoided trying to play Abzan because everybody at my shop was playing Abzan. I was one of the only ones trying to get Teamer or Jeskai to work. And because I love those colors of Teamer and Jeskai. I wanted, you know, red, white, and blue to work so bad, and I love Mantis Rider. But Oh god, Mantis Rider is just nowhere near as good as Siege Rhino. Nope. <laughs> nope. It's pretty sweet, but yeah, Siege Rhino just like gets on deck and is like, sup, I'll be taking some of your life now and wrecking yeah. your dreams. It's like, oh, okay, just one Siege Rhino. It's not too bad. Oh, look, there's a second one. Oh, look, there's the third one. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. just when you thought that there wasn't another one, it was like, surprise. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, yeah, then I joined the Abzan crew for a couple weeks and then... I think Fate Reforged or um, Crap Dragons came out, and I'm just like, all right, I'm getting bored of this. <laughs> because just Siege Rhinoing everybody, I'm just like, I feel like I, you know, if I top deck a Siege Rhino, oh, look, I win. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I remember my ex, like, was telling me once, he's like, man, I cast like a Siege Rhino for the first time. It just feels so good. And I was like, 
you're a terrible person. But yeah, once you've seen like the other side of it, you're like, oh man, this card just really is like pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. And I've always been surprised that it's never, I mean, I understand why it hasn't really seen play in modern because it's pretty expensive, but it's, I remember, I think I remember people talking about like, oh, it's just going to take over in modern too. It's like, uh, well, that's not really been the case. I mean, I know there's been some decks trying to play it, but it just, it with it being four costs, it's just too expensive. Yeah. And if anything, people would play it as like, just maybe like just a dumb finisher be like, okay, drain you, you're dead. Or, you know, getting on deck like later in the game because it, it can it can die to you or at least get exiled to like so much or there are other spells that can can deal with it. So they're better off playing like, I mean, even if you were trying to do like a junk deck and, and play it in there, a lot of people would choose other cards over it just because it's going to be like public enemy number one. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, um. All right, so you, you see the chat room in here, right? Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to send you a link. And this is, even though I'm not really playing standard right now, I, I'm kind of done with standard for the time being. I want to, with our legacy scene growing a little bit more here, I've been wanting to focus on legacy. But I think this deck I'm about to send you probably going to be seen at the Pro Tour. All right. It's probably, oh it's probably the best deck. I haven't tested it or anything, so... <laughs> Just goes to show, like, how awesome it may be. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, how did I know Rhino Train was going to be in here? Hell yeah. That card is, So why like... you take a look at this, this sweetness here. Okay. Oh, boy. Menace. Oh, that's a problem. <laughs> plus one, plus one, trample. Yeah, Rhino Train, Rhino Train is just, like, wrecking, like, everyone's life. Let's see. Oh, Ooh, yeah, Griffspoon. Hey. I have not seen anyone play, like, a Griffspoon in, like, a minute. That's pretty Yeah, awesome. I know. It's been a while since we've seen that card. Now, it's it's pretty much just flying trains. And um, I thought <laughs> Lupine Prototype would be the perfect creature to be the conductor. <laughs> I Since just saw can... the loop by prototype. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> oh my gosh. Cause that, cause then you just drop it and you're just like, okay, well I don't need you to really do you. I just need your ability to do these other things. Uh, that's pretty cool. And pretty, he's, he's got to be the conductor and then Gideon is the backup conductor. Dang. Ooh. Yeah. This looks, um, this looks pretty it's gross. Pre Congrats. Pretty amazing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So when are you hoping to test it? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I want to test it. It just may be a little bit too good. I, I just may blow my FNM meta away at that point. There's no such thing as too good. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Yeah, you got to do this. If, if if I had... Do I have all these cards? I don't even know if I have all these cards. If, if I did, I would probably just throw it together and run your list and see how it goes and be like, guys, what do you think about this? And they'd be like, Grapspoon, what are you doing here? What's this? No Rhino Train, we hate you. Yeah, I, I don't have all the Gideons, though. Um, oh, no. It's the only thing I don't have. It's... I should have got him when he first came out, but yeah, I'm just like, no, I'm going to focus on, um, what was I, fo oh, I was focusing on, um, uh, a Tarka Red at the time when Battle for Zendikar oh, came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that deck was, mm -mm. 
that deck was pretty dang good, pretty dang fast too. <laughs> Holy crap! It's um, I still will never forget the one time I got a guy. Uh, he got up to like 27, 28 life, and he's all like smirking, like, oh yeah, there's no way you can kill me in this turn. I managed to do like 27, 28 damage that next turn with Jeez. Teamer Battle Rage and, you know, all uh, these pump spells. and. <laughs> oh my god, Teamer Battle Rage, that card like haunts my dreams. It, it, it haunts my dreams when I was when it was played against me, but you know, playing it, I've, of course, that's how it always works. You, you play the deck that's oppressive and you know, you, the other side, you're, they're just like, Oh God, it's like, Nope, it felt pretty good. And then you go up against something like miracles or infect and you're just like, Oh, just shoot me now, please. <laughs> just end it. Oh man. Especially. Oh man, especially um, like modern, for example, lantern control. Mm. It's just sort of like, Oh, can I, Am I gonna be able to play my deck? You know, that or that deck makes me sad. Or or if or if someone manages to get Tron on like turn three, and it's like, oh great, turn three Karn. Okay, I guess I'm not gonna be able to play anything. You just gotta be tricksy oh. about it. Oh, I know. Um, so, what decks are you playing right now in Modern a lot? Let's see. Well, right now. I am playing a deck that uh, I just I, I chose for the challenge that I issued to our listeners to uh, pick a deck that had been intimidating in some way for them or that they were totally scared of or just looked impossible to pilot and give it a try. And my particular deck was um, Amulet Titan. And yes, it was neutered a little bit by not having Summer Bloom anymore. But deck is still good. Um, it is still capable of getting like what I think I think a turn three, turn two kill. Um, if you have still the a turn right, two kill, I think so. If I remember correctly, oh, wow. maybe, maybe turn three. Because um, I've been doing like a lot of gold fishing and stuff with it, and I was able to yeah. um, bring it to F and M this past week, and it it's not a bad deck. It definitely has some bad matchups and i'm still learning how to pilot it like i told people like i'm just this is the first time i played it against like other people i'm like so i make no promises um but definitely feels bad to have your amulet uh abrupt decayed i will i will say that much uh but deck is good i do definitely want to keep playing it i actually let one of the store owners play it at fnm for like a little bit in some just in between games and he was like oh you know i used to play um uh titan all the time back when summer bloom was legal can i give this a try i'm like sure and it was just like riding a bike for him he was just back on <laughs> ready to go and he said if i wanted to run through like some sample hands with him and other things like he would work with me with the deck which is pretty awesome so i'm probably going to be playing that for the rest of the month and probably like the first week of February, I want to say, because my challenge ends February 7th, I believe. And I want to have a good a good report to uh, bring to the show about it. Um, but in competitive events, I am still doing Titan Shift. I think that the deck is really sweet. I don't care about Through the Breach. I don't care about Bring Delight. I just want to have Titan and Scapeshift and just do all the things. 
and I feel like I'm piloting it a lot better than I did when I first started playing it. It's still like a boatload of fun and I'm just starting to note like the back of my hand now and it yeah. is definitely a force to be reckoned with. It's not it's not like a tier three deck. It's not like a crazy brew. It is definitely like tier two, I want to say. Um, sometimes tier one, depending on who you're talking to. And it's definitely something that can hang, which makes me feel good. And I also have, in fact, put together, unfortunately, uh, Gitaxian <laughs> Probe got banned. Now, yeah. I don't think it's unfortunate for infect players because it needed to go girl but i feel bad for the other decks that got uh kind of nuked a little bit by it like i have a friend who does uh modern storm and he's like oh deck is deader than dead now he's like i i can't and i'm like really i'm like probe hurts you that much and there's like yeah absolutely really so, it does yeah that's what he seemed to say to me and i I've never played Storm. I can't really speak to that, but he was just like mourning the loss of uh, Gitaxian Probe in relation to that and was like, I feel so silly for buying back into Storm now because of the Probe ban. I mean, I'd like to see him run it without it and just kind of see where it goes, but maybe for some more seasoned Storm players, maybe they see it the same way that he does, that it's a little yeah. kind of not so good now. Uh, and it was like the dying embers of Storm now or something in modern. But yeah, that's mostly what I've been doing. Um, I haven't thought of putting anything else together anytime soon, just because I want to focus on getting better with Amulet. And of course, Titan Shift right now is my ride or die. I did put Bluetron back together about a month ago. I just haven't sleeved it up. And I probably should maybe after the challenge is done just to kind of have Bluetron right again because that is one of my favorite decks to play. You just have so many win conditions and it's just totally sweet. And I have a list that I have not run yet in paper, so I'm eager to uh, see how that works out. Oh, man, I... I groaned when you mentioned Bluetron, and that that that's the mind. Are you playing the Mind Slaver version? Absolutely. Oh God! <laughs> yeah. Out of all the versions of Tron, I hate that one the most, especially um, because I I mainly play Grixis Delver, and I took a bit of a hit with the probe probe ban. Um, I I'm I've been reading up and researching what other people are doing, and they're saying just take Young Pyromancer out now completely and put in like a vendillion click and mm. um something else i forget and you know put in maybe one or two fatal push and maybe some sleight of hand but yeah it's gr i i feel like right now especially with the way the meta is shifting so fast grix's delver is just getting you know pushed in the dust a lot more because it's it's a slow deck you know it's yeah. not fast there, there were some people at my store that were saying that they felt like, I don't know necessarily Grixis Delver, but just that Grixis in general might be better positioned coming up soon. So I guess it just depends maybe on what build you're trying to go with, perhaps. Yeah, yeah I don't know about Grixis Control because I know the two decks can sort of be interchangeable. It's just controls without the Delvers and have the um, Creature Lands, the blue-black one. Oh, mm -hmm. and and um, Grixis Delver doesn't run those, but um, I don't know. It's 
I'm interested in testing it out some more. I need to, I, I don't know what exact list. Maybe I'll just wait for the pros to figure that out. And <laughs> it's, it's, um, I have limited time to test anyway. So oh. it's sort of like when I see that, I'm like, Oh good. I can just copy that. <laughs> right. And I'm actually interested going back to when we were talking about standard to see what the pros come up with for standard because I wonder if, and this is just my tinfoil hat thinking, I wonder if, depending on how the Pro Tour shakes out, if they would unban anything in Standard. Now, I know that a lot of people were talking about this Healy combo and everything, but if that becomes oppressive, would they maybe not ban something there and they would unban something that they had recently banned to try to deal with that? I, I not very often do we get many unbannings. So I would be very interested to see if they were like, hey, remember like a couple weeks ago when you told you that all these things were banned? We were just kidding. <laughs> oh, man, that would cause a major shit storm if they did that. Oh, man, I'd be sitting back with popcorn being like, I am just going to sit here and eat this and be amused. Oh, yeah, me too. I'd just, I mean, I'd be a little bit miffed. I'd be actually probably a little bit more than miffed. I'd be like, what the fuck, Wizards, really? <laughs> and then, then I would just it'd be, <clears throat> be enjoying all the Twitter threads, all the Reddit threads, and just be like, mmm, some salt saltiness right now. Be like, everyone's so mad. <laughs> oh, it's funny, but um, yeah, it. Like you said, I'm interested in seeing how it's going to shape up because is the copycat combo going to really take off? I mean, I am I know there's going to be people trying it and it's probably going to be everywhere it, like in the first because Star City usually has uh, an open the weekend or the weekend after Aether Revolt comes out. Right. I, I think. I believe so. Because I think they usually lead, I think, right after the Pro Tour happens. Because, let me see. Because that's in February is the Pro Tour. Oh, yeah. They actually have one this Sunday, January 2nd, Columbus Open. Oh, yeah. Oh, January 21st. So, yeah, this weekend we're going to see a lot of copycats. Oh, God. See, (laughs) that just makes my head hurt quite a bit. Because just, I I think back even to watching, you know, just modern events. Who wants to watch Splinter Twin? It's so boring. It's just so boring. And so I can't imagine something like that going off in standard, especially for people that maybe are just getting into standard. They're like, what is this? Like, I I don't know anything about this. This seems wrong in some way. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it would be very unheard of for them to, like, I guess I shouldn't say unheard of, but I, I feel it would be very bizarre for them to ban, like, an an uncommon that just so wonder if they would ban Sahili instead if it became oh I don't I don't think they would that that's I feel like they I mean I know Jace the mind sculptor was banned but I feel now you know since I feel like they have this mindset where planeswalkers sell booster packs mm-hmm. you know I mean how you you buy a Kaladesh booster and you open a Sahili but it's banned you're gonna feel pretty crappy it's like, mm-hmm. oh, great. It's like a $2 card because no one plays it in Modern or Legacy or anything. And right. I mean, I'm happy that Sahili's getting some love because I think initially people were like, oh, this Planeswalker's okay, but they're not like the best. And then once people had figured out the combo, it was like everyone lost their mind because I was at Louisville and I had my friend text me being like, 
buy all the Sahelis that you can. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, this is a strange request. And then, like, they sent me a screenshot of the combo, and I'm like, and then everywhere you went, they're like, oh, we just sold all our last couple of Sahelis for like $5 a piece or something. And it's like, oh, and now I think she's going for like, what, over 20, I think was, I saw like maybe 25 or something to buy. And I was like, oh, no. Well, no she, she she went back down under 20, but um, oh, she she's did. still at like 17 $18 though. Oh, people are probably like, not sure if want right now. They want to definitely see what the pros and the grinders are going to do before they make any kind of uh, <laughs> decisions. But yeah. I tend to not listen to a lot of that because what's good right after rotation or what's good right after a new set comes out might not necessarily be able to hang in like the coming weeks. So that's why I kind of wait for things to kind of chill out if I was going to net deck or do something like that and be like, is this really going to be a big deal or is it just going to kind of be the flavor of the week and then be gone? Yeah, and then, or is it going to be banned, too? That's another thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, crap. There was something else I wanted to talk about. Um, let's see. Bans. Oh, you mentioning unbans. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I was honestly surprised they ever unbanned the Golgari Grave Troll. And I don't even know how they expected that to even last that long. But I think they did mention that was just sort of like a test unban, right? Or something like that. I'm trying to remember. Because didn't they unban it last year? Yeah, they unbanned it last year right after they banned um, Eye of Ugin, didn't they? I think so. Let's see. I'm trying to just remember my timelines correctly because, yeah, last year. So it's kind of one of those things where I was kind of upset that they banned it because it's like you gave it to us for a year and then we're like just kidding and i know that <laughs> yeah and i and i know that i've had this conversation within the last week with various different people about whether or not dredge deserved to be picked on type of thing and i just and i'm not just saying this because aaron is my good friend but i just I think of all the decks to pick on, I don't think that there were that many people that were sideboarding quite as much as they thought. I I just I, I don't know how many how many particular slots did you use in your sideboard versus dredge? Any? A lot? Um not not as many because my meta is more affinity heavy, more artifact heavy than anything. So I'd say a good 75% of my sideboard is geared towards artifact hate and, ah. you know, trying to stop those. But, and the other 25% is geared towards, um, graveyard hate. Um, I mean, hold on, let me pull up my sideboard and see, I keep everything on tapped out. So <laughs> I've never it's, used that site before. Oh, I, it's, I, I use it for everything. I even I like recording um even the decks I build for booster and sealed decks. Not not when I do online, just physical. Physical mm. cards. So yeah, I have I have it all on record. I don't know. I, I enjoy going back to it every once in a while and you know, seeing what what it was like. Sure. Um 
oh, I think this is a little outdated. Um, because I have like no graveyard hate right now in my Grixis Delver deck. <laughs> it's <laughs> all like, like something mainly... about this seems wrong. <laughs> it could be because I haven't really been seeing dredge lately. So, and but no, like I said, I was always surprised they even unbanned that. I mean, the 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 thing that hit me that I knew that dredge was going to be a problem was when they printed Cathartic Reunion. Um, of course, I'm sure everybody's first thought was, "Oh, there's dredge right there." Yep. You know, and I think that they, I think that they needed something though. I mean, to to have a deck that maybe at one point was very viable, and then you take different elements away from it, and then it's not quite as viable. I don't think it's a bad thing every once in a while to kind of try to revitalize a deck that people enjoyed. And it's just kind of sad because I think at the end of the day, they just don't like the dredge mechanic. And that's really all it is. Because, I mean, even going back and looking at the um, unbanning, they said... Wall cards are banned from a format. Wizards investigates whether there is a banned card that, if not banned, might add new decks to competitive play. So they recognized that it would be a good idea to try to revitalize Dredge. And it says, we look for cards that are unlikely to add power to existing top decks, but instead add new strategies or augment decks that are not currently as successful. So it's like they knew that. So they unbanned it. Um, They did say... However, that type of deck has not been as successful in modern tournaments recently. While taking such a card off the banned list has some risks, this is a good time to see what happens, and it is no longer banned. So, eh. I, I know that Aaron's had some testing post-banning uh, that has not gone nearly as well as she would have liked, and that's that's unfortunate, because for people that enjoy playing dredge, I would hate to see them lose their deck just because do do I feel like if you were to compare Splinter Twin to Dredge, for example, it's like two different things. I I feel like one is super was super oppressive. The other I, I just don't think so much. I mean they're trying to say people are ta- packing too much sideboard hate and I even think of my own deck. I'm like, I had three cards in there that I would use against Dredge specifically. And those same three cards I would use versus these other decks as well. So I just really wonder how much of an issue was like, I, I should take a poll. Be like, tell me about your sideboard in relation to Dredge. Do you think that <laughs> this was something that was was necessary? I mean, again, it comes back to we, we are banning good cards because they're good type of thing. And I just think it's unfortunate. So I doubt they'll reconsider it. But I just think it's unfortunate that Dredge gets two awesome cards, and I think maybe actually a third, because was it Amalgam, Cathartic Reunion, oh, and, and Neonate, I guess, to a lesser degree. And you're like, oh, man, there's these sweet cards I can put into my Dredge deck. That's really awesome. And then all of a sudden, it's like, just kidding. You were having too much fun. We're done. And it's like, oh, that's yeah. unfortunate. And was Dredge even really that um, oppressive? Because I don't remember seeing it a lot of times in, you know, the high-level events. I mean, it was there, but it wasn't It wasn't everywhere, you know? Well, I remember after Eldritch Moon came out that there were, I think, a couple PPTQs that I went to, even after Shadows, 
to that there were people that were running dredge and especially out of because i live in wisconsin the madison crew they were all they're all over dredge but then people got wise to their game and were like oh we really need to start packing maybe a little more graveyard hate than we were but i don't think it was excessive they were like okay rest in peace okay graph diggers cage depending on what deck you were running and those things definitely slow dredge down have to have them win in different ways have to have them think about things differently and i don't think that that's a bad thing because then you're looking at your deck from another perspective and you're trying different strategies and i just i don't think that it was too oppressive that it was just ruining everyone's day i i just don't think that it was yeah i mean they said in my local meta it never got that bad and um i don't know but i mean i'm sure wizards knows a lot more than we do but you know it's still always <clears throat> like I said, I wasn't that surprised it was banned, but just more surprised that, well, why did they unban it if they were just going to ban it again mm-hmm. type thing? Yep. But, um, oh, well. Um, there was another thing I wanted to mention, and that was, um, I think I've sent you a message about this. <clears throat> and There was an episode that, oh, geez, I don't even remember what episode number it was. It was an episode you guys did, had to have been a while ago. Um where you talked about uh i guess gender uh Mm -hmm. being non-binary and how you came out about it and you hadn't really talked about it before and i guess i just wanted to thank you for that because that really gave me the courage to talk about my uh bipolar disorder and i had i had an episode talking about that and it's something i was diagnosed with it last year and it's something you know, I struggle with daily and it's, you know, not easy to talk about. I mean, they're I mean, just like, as a lot of people know, with depression, there are days where, you know, you literally just can't snap out of it. It's you wake up and, you know, you just don't want to be alive, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, you just talking about that and, you know, your experiences with that and what you went through, it gave me the courage to be able to talk about that and i just wanted to thank you for that oh i'm glad that our episode could definitely help with that because i think that there are a lot of situations that people go through in life that are similar and also different in in various ways and that people shouldn't be afraid to talk about things that are important to them or that they're going through and that's why it's unfortunate that there's a stigma still surrounding mental illness. There's a stigma surrounding gender identity. And it's just a very weird thing because we're, we're all people. We all have different experiences. We all deal with things differently. And, you know, you may look at someone and they may seem very put together to you. They may seem like they don't have any troubles in the world at all. And that's not true for most people. Yeah. And especially when you talk about the stigma of it, it's, I mean, there, there really is a stigma with it, with all of it, mental health and, um, you know, gender identity and all that. It's, it's tough. And it's, I mean, just like any new thing, you know, society, you know, box away at and is afraid to understand, you know, or, or really get it. And it's, I don't know. I mean, there, there are still times where, it, with my depression, that 
I'm still sort of think sitting here like, well, why can't I just be happy? Why can't I just snap out of it? You know, and it's you come to learn and realize, you know, like my therapist has told me it's, you know, you just can't there's there's you know the chemical reactions in your brain that are happening there's the neurons just are not firing off you know parts of your brain and and that's why you and i i had that i was talking to you about the whole gender identity thing because i was still trying to understand you know what it meant to be non-binary and you sent me a really good um link that well, I can understand it. I guess I was still trying to understand, well, is there something chemically happening in the brain as well? Um, I couldn't really find anything, though. Yeah, no, I don't. Not not that I've ever heard of. That might be down a different rabbit hole than I've explored. But <laughs> <laughs> um, it's I hmm, where to start. I actually just started um going back to therapy myself because I'm having a lot of issues with depression again and a lot of it's triggered by gender dysphoria and in relation to my gender identity and just trying to come to grips with some things or understand things better just be like why aren't things the way I want them to be or how can I feel better about this situation and just trying to even understand it myself is a little hard sometimes because I feel like maybe these were, and, and I know to some degree they, they were, thoughts were always there that I just felt different. And it's just kind of a empowering, scary, tough, sad, and glorious thing all at the same time to realize all these different truths about yourself. And, you know, lately I've been pretty, pretty down, um, and like I said, some of it is probably from that, but I really hope that talking to someone about the different things I'm going through will really help me to have a better understanding and maybe my situation can help somebody else that's going through some similar things. Yeah, and it is it is good to get out there and talk to someone. I mean, even if it's, you know someone who doesn't understand at all what you're going through. It's just something that feels good just to get it out, get it off your chest. You know, Absolutely. it's, um, I mean, I definitely do recommend speaking to a therapist. Like you said, you mentioned you're going to again. Um, I should probably go back to mine. It's been a while since I've been there. It's, um, yeah, I'm going through some things as well where it's just, it's not easy. And it's, um, yeah, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> It's but, like, um, where to start? There's so much. Yeah. No, but like you said, I wanted to, like you said, thank you for doing that. And then, you know, you and I talked a little bit on Twitter because, like I said, I'm still trying to understand the non-binary. Um, I, I, I guess I understand it from a social aspect. It's just more of a, I guess I, I'm just trying to understand it from, I don't know, like I told you, it's I'm the type of person that likes to know how things work. Um, I'm fascinated. Ever ever since I was diagnosed with um, depression, you know, I've been researching, you know, what what not only what causes it, you know, in the brain, but, you know, what's happening when you are depressed versus when you're manic or down, you know, all the neurons that are firing off. And it's to me, that's why I asked, you know, well, what's what's happening in the brain when that cause like does something happen in the brain like is is there just some part of your brain that just fires off or i, I don't know 
It's I'm talking way beyond what I know. So <laughs> I I wish I wish I knew. Believe me. Uh, sometimes you know you at least for me I I wake up you know first thing in the morning or maybe if I've slept in on the weekend like early early or late morning and I'm like huh like things just not necessarily feel different but you're just trying to wrap your mind around your existence as you know it now that you've accepted different truths about yourself and just trying to decide what you want to wear sometimes can be just a nightmare or even trying to get out of bed in the morning can be difficult just because you're dealing with so much in relation at least for me to your gender identity and how you present to other people that's a big thing that I'm dealing with right now is presenting and having people call me ma'am because it drives me nuts but I, I hope that uh, in time, maybe I will let it bother me less or there will be other tools that I will have that maybe that won't happen anymore. And maybe I can learn some things in therapy or maybe even explore hormones as an option if that were something that I wanted to do to be able to feel more like myself. It just... It's a wild ride, man. That is that is about <laughs> that is about all I can say. Is it's just a it's it's kind of a trip. It's a good trip and a bad trip at the same time. But every once in a while, I might get into a mood where I'm like, do I regret deciding to admit to myself and to other people that are close to me and to my fans and my friends? That, you know, this is me. I do identify as a non-binary gender fluid person. You know, I I don't really care if you're okay with it, but I hope that you're supportive. And this is just me. And if I would want to go back to being the person that I was before, and I'm like, wouldn't this just be easier? But then I know that I I would be I would be unhappier not being who I am as opposed to being somewhat unhappy while trying to figure out the person that I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you've heard this. It, it takes a strong person to do that and keep going forward with that. Um, while I don't, I guess I don't understand like what you're going through gender dysphoria or anything like that. I mean, I guess I can, uh, apply it to where, you know, my depression hits where I have to wake up and go to work and, it's you sort of have to put on that oh i'm okay face Mm -hmm. or you know that i'm okay smile and it's just it wears on you and it's just it does like today was a good example at work it's had to go to work and had to talk to people and while that may seem like oh that's nothing you know those are just small little things it's it some days it's really fucking tough to just look at someone and smile and be like oh hey how's it going type you know i can completely understand (laughs) (laughs) and it's it i I don't know it you you think it would get easier as you get older but it's like nope it's not it's not getting any easier and you know and maybe i just need a new cocktail of meds or something i don't know (laughs) could be be. yeah oh i know we just got really deep here (laughs) and it's yeah but um all right well i hate 
to let you go. Um, I'm really enjoying this, but it is getting pretty late for me. It's past midnight. Yeah, no and, worries. Uh, I've got to be up in like a couple hours, so. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. I've had a no, good time. But, no, thank you. And I had a good time talking with you, too. And I'd love to do something like this again. Sure. And and um, so before we go, um, go ahead and plug yourself one more time. You know, let everybody know where they can find you. All right. So, again, in case you didn't remember from the beginning, I am Chris from the Girlfriend Bracket Podcast. The Twitter account for our show is at the GF Bracket. My Twitter account is at T-H-K-R-I-Z. If you would like to send me an email, my Gmail account is Y-O-T-H-K-R-I-Z at gmail.com. The blog that we talked about earlier that I do is called uh, Thoughts from the Back Tables. The URL is backtablesmtg.wordpress.com. And those are the best ways to get in touch with me. And our podcast, The Girlfriend Bracket, can be found on gatheringmagic.com. You can also find it on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And we come out every Friday. Episode usually drops, I think, around 10 o'clock CST. Okay, great. Well, like I said, I just want to thank you again for coming on and really appreciate talking magic and talking about other stuff. And yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, it was awesome. Thank you. All right, you're welcome, and have a great night, all right? 